I'm Damian Bulwa, and this is a special edition of Fifth and Mission on Wednesday morning on a big day of national politics. As we speak, Democrats are trying to lock up control of the Senate as votes are counted in Georgia. Meanwhile, allies of a defiant President Trump are seeking to subvert President-elect Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. My guest from Washington, D.C. is our correspondent there, Tal Copen. Tal, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. A lot going on. First of all, thanks for tearing yourself away from your reporting for a moment to talk to us. We appreciate it. (laughs) First, get us up to speed on Georgia. What is the latest? So we've projected that uh, Raphael Warnock will defeat uh, Kelly Loeffler. And so that's one Democratic flip of a seat uh, in the Senate in Georgia. And as of now, uh, John Ossoff is leading the incumbent David Perdue as well. It's interesting, the two didn't run in tandem. Um, Depending on your perspective, Warnock either ran ahead of Ossoff or Leffler uh, ran behind Purdue. But at this moment, as we're speaking on Wednesday morning, uh, Ossoff is sitting fairly comfortably. Uh, you know, no one has called it yet, uh, but it would take a very uh, unlikely set of circumstances for Purdue to be able to make up the ground he has lost to Ossoff uh, with votes still being counted. And so, you know, the implication of those two seats, potentially uh, both of them going to Democrats, is that Democrats under Joe Biden will control the Senate because the breakdown will be 50-50, and the person who breaks ties in the Senate is the vice president, who will be uh, Senator and vice president-elect Kamala Harris. All right, so first off, Kamala Harris, I mean, where, what kind of position would that put her in, in in that tie? I mean, is that going to be uh, give her more power? Is that going to to even up her chances of, of eventually becoming uh, the candidate in four years? You know, the... It's a fairly ceremonial role. I mean, the sort of glib answer is she'll probably have to spend a lot more time in motorcades because she'll be having to go back and forth from from the White House to the the Capitol and back to break these ties. I mean, Pence broke ties uh, a few times in his tenure. Basically, you just go in and, and vote. You know, there it's not like... Uh, there's a whole lot of pomp and circumstance to go with it. The deal making will still be Biden, Schumer, and Pelosi, uh, and Harris will just sort of figuratively get to bang the gavel on on the actual results. But I mean, it will give her, at, at the very least, a guaranteed sort of prominent role. She'll get to sit in the seat. She'll get to be the one that casts the votes. It'll keep her front and center in the American public. So. Should, for some reason, Biden not make her an otherwise prominent feature of his administration, she would have that in terms of a um, a track record. Of course, there's always the downside. It, it actually forces her to be on the record to a certain extent on everything that comes out of the Biden administration. Uh, she will she she can't say it wouldn't have been my choice. I mean, she ultimately will cast cast the vote. All right. Gotcha. So in California, we're always interested, obviously, in what this might mean for if Biden has both the House and the Senate in Democratic hands. uh, What is that going to mean for some of the big issues we've been writing about? Well, I always say if you're talking about anything in Washington, betting on gridlock is always the safe bet. Even when both chambers are controlled by the same party, things become difficult. I actually um, tweeted a little thread about this this morning. If you take the DREAM Act as an example, that should be a fairly slam dunk bill. It's a 70% popularity uh, policy to give a path to citizenship to undocumented immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children, grew up 
essentially as Americans, no fault of their own, they have sort of a temporary status. But if Congress were to pass legislation, upwards of a million of them could be on a path to legal status in the U.S. permanently. It's something that probably could get 60 votes in the Senate, certainly will pass the House, something that could be done. But the question is, do Democrats resist the urge to try to hitch something onto it to catch a ride? Do they have a, this was Trump's problem, right? He couldn't take yes for an answer. He could have had a DACA deal for $25 billion for his wall, but he held out for more and it died. And, you know, obviously Biden and Trump will have some differences in terms of how to handle the Senate. But the point is, will Democrats be able to hold back? Would they be willing to cut a deal if it got them the two, three extra Republican votes they might need to get that through the Senate? Or would they rather hold out and hope that they get a bigger majority down the line and maybe they'll get more? I mean, this is always the problem with what seems like very straightforward slam dunk. Let's get a bunch of stuff done. We control both chambers of Congress. It's never that easy. Uh, It's never as easy as it seems. So, you know, if history is our guide, Biden might get one, maybe two big things done. Uh, that would be an incredible achievement. All right. And, and Tal, what about the stimulus? Obviously, you've written a lot about, um, you know, the, the negotiations over what kind of payments people should receive, uh, help for vaccine rollouts, things like that, tax breaks. Yeah. I mean, this in terms of the stimulus, this actually is a big shot in the arm uh, for states like California that have been waiting for direct aid to state and local governments that Mitch McConnell has, um, you know, along with most of his members, have basically prevented from happening. Uh, The Democrats have really pushed for that in every deal. The Republicans said it was some sort of bailout to blue states who have mismanaged their finances and, and stood firm against it and tanked it in the last round of talks. You know, now that Schumer controls the Senate floor, that's something that can be called to a vote. And I, I, you know, a number of Republican senators would probably vote for it. But our listeners should should keep in mind, aside from a few procedurally wonky and limited circumstances, anything is still going to need 60 votes in the Senate. And unless Democrats nuke the filibuster, which there are a few Democrats who have said they're not going to do. So, you know, even something like a stimulus, unless they pull some some strings uh, to try to get it through another way, they're going to need Republicans to support in the Senate to get it done. All right. Tall, over to to President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden. As as we go to this special joint session to confirm the Electoral College vote, there's a lot of talk at the same time about how maybe Trump's unwillingness to cede to reality uh, affected the Georgia race. Uh, tell us what's going on with with the president and and sort of trying to hijack this special joint session today. Well, I'm not sure how much time we have. Uh, the short version is there will be uh, attempts that will fail to object to the seating of electors, uh, to the certifying of electors today in the joint session of Congress. It's mainly for show. Every Republican who is objecting knows that these efforts will fail, knows that they they will only have to live with the consequences of their decision politically uh, and reputationally and not necessarily in terms of actually achieving the objective, which would be 
overturning the results of a lawfully conducted election that, you know, it it bears repeating over and over. There is absolutely no evidence that has emerged to support any of the conspiracy theories of widespread fraud or widespread ir- irregularities. Only one-off instances here and there that would have not changed the outcome of the election. So, you know, these procedural objections will happen. It will put Republicans on the record as to whether they agree and support these objections, and they all have their own explanations for it. Either uh, they don't think that the process used to change some voting procedures during the pandemic followed the complete letter of the Constitution, despite the fact that, you know, judges upheld them numerous times. Uh, they They say that they simply want the arguments to be heard is another objection. Um, but basically it's dividing Republicans, including in the California delegation. We've already seen some, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, Southern California's Mike Garcia say he will vote to sustain these objections. You've seen others like the newly elected from Southern California, Young Kim, uh, Tom McClintock is another one who've said, no, they will not because they believe it's contrary to their oath to the to uphold the Constitution. And so basically, at the end of the day, we're going to have an accounting of, of where each of the Republicans came down in the vote because all Democrats are going to vote to uh, certify the election results and ultimately Joe Biden is still president-elect and Kamala Harris is vice president-elect. All right, Carl, one last question. Why would a why would a uh, an elected official in California do this? Um, what are they afraid of? Why are they why would they want to go on the record with this sort of fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy vote on the election? Well, at the end of the day, Republicans still feel that the Trump base uh, is essential to them. And it's it's sort of interesting to see if, you know, we 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 probably won't know if anyone changes their mind after last night's Georgia results, because once they're on the record, they're sort of on the record. But there's some who never put out a statement. I don't know if any of them were going to vote one way and saw the results last night and thought maybe I won't, because ultimately uh, there are many Republicans who believe Trump cost them that election. And, you know, maybe there's some. Republicans who woke up yesterday morning thinking Trump was essential to their victories and woke up this morning thinking maybe he's a jeopardy to their victories. So, you know, there's that calculus. uh, But ultimately, there is a large subset of the Republican base that buys into this and wants to see, at the very least, wants to see Republicans use every last gasp possible maneuver they could even think of to show that they support Trump. Uh, regardless of whether it's successful. All right. Well, Tal, great stuff as usual. I know you want to get back to it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle Washington, D.C. correspondent Tal Copen, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>